What's up, what's up, y'all? This is Dave. And this is Devin. And you're listening to the Dave and Dev Podcast. Dave and Dev. Gotta keep it real like Dave and Dev. On my job like Dave and Dev. Tell no lie like Dave and Dev. Some days I wanna stay in bed, but I get ready for the day ahead. I wanna complain, but I pray instead. Then I'm on my way to the Dave and Dev. And it go like, I don't need a crew. Don't play by he say, she say rules. Don't play, no, we can't do. I'd rather have faith while G.O.D. make moves. So please stay cool. All, all I do is speak the truth on things I see they do. I'm a sinner myself. No lie, I need grace too. We lit like EKU. Yeah. What's up, everybody? How y'all doing, man? How you doing, Devin? I'm doing great. How you doing? Doing pretty good, man. I'm so excited about this episode. Devin, tell the people why this is going to be a great episode. Two reasons why this is going to be a special episode. One, we have uh, our friend and guest joining us, Eric Colesar. Colesar, sorry. Uh, <laughs> from, uh, from Centerpoint in Lexington, Kentucky. He's the pastor there. And two, we are going to reenact a little bit of the Jordan flu game. Uh, I'm <laughs> just coming back from the flu, and uh, I'm going to try to just push through this podcast and see what we can see what we can get out of this. <laughs> yes, and we appreciate your dedication, Devrin. First of all, I just want to say thank you to everybody that's been listening to the podcast over the last two or three, we have got more listens and more discussion over them than we ever have. Shout out to our guy Brody Revere for the track that's been killing it. I've had friends literally ask me to send them the track. So I've thank had so you. many conversations about yes. Fresh Cut Confidence over the last yes, week. Bro. It's been same. And Revere's song, Brody Revere's song, has been a, a lot of a lot of people been talking about that. So if you're an artist. And you're wanting to get on, get your track on, just email us a snippet of your song to at Dave and Dev Podcast, uh, at Dave and Dev Podcast at gmail.com, and just a snippet of about 30 seconds or less. And then uh, we'll review it, just a couple things. It has to be clean, has to be 30 seconds or less. And uh, most likely, we, I mean, we want it to be something that's kind of like positive kind of meaning to it, too. So For sure, for sure. But yes, as Devin said, we have a special guest, Mr. Eric Colliser. Thank you for joining us, sir. Um, for those of you who have listened to our podcast in the past, you have heard Devin and I discuss uh, Centerpoint Church as the church where we met, uh, kind of grew up in, per se. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went to the Richmond campus. Uh, Eric went to the um, Lexington East campus when we first met him, mm-hmm. and he is now the pastor at the West campus, uh, West side of Lexington. And uh, Eric, man, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if you want to give just a brief description about yourself, I can't, I know we covered a little bit, but maybe where you're from, your family, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, first off, it's a great honor to, to be on here. Uh, Dave and Dev have been my boys for uh, a while, even though, like he mentioned, uh, I was in Lexington 
they were in Richmond. Uh, we connected on several different things. Uh, I think actually uh, I happened to uh, preach um, the first time Dev uh, visited the Richmond campus. And I think yes. I, yeah, I think I shared a little bit of my testimony and, and used some illustrations growing up in uh, Youngstown, Ohio. Uh, and uh, so right off the bat, right after service, uh, we kind of connected because uh, I think I remember you're, you're from somewhat that area. I know you're from Ohio, Dev, but are you? Yeah, yeah that's what I thought. And so, yeah, I'm closer to Cleveland. And so when you said that and you said those stories, I was like, I got to go talk to this guy because he knows exactly how it is growing up in that area. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yep, for sure. Yep, absolutely. So, so yeah, we connected with those uh, Ohio roots and a love for Cleveland sports and uh, all things uh, Buckeyes and everything else. But, uh, yeah, I know you asked a little bit about me, but just grew up in an unchurched uh, home uh, in a very unchurched area. Uh, and uh, – uh, my parents got radically saved when I was in middle school, started forcing me to go to church. And uh, I became a Christian after two years of being forced to go to church. Just, uh, <laughs> the gospel just kind of taking fruit finally in high school. And uh, from there, God called me into ministry and uh, went to actually where you're at right now, Dave. You went to Louisville for Bible College and Seminary. And God brought me to the uh, Holy Land of Columbus, Ohio. Uh, hey, for five years. O-H. <laughs> and then uh, he sent me to... Uh, Lexington, which I love um, as well, and uh, uh, about seven years ago as the student pastor over there, and like you said, about two years ago, transitioned as uh, the campus pastor on the west side, so yeah, that's, that's me in a nutshell. For sure, and uh, thankful for that, you know, that you were in the student ministry, because that's how you and I really met, Yeah, because uh, you kind of mentored me and mm-hmm. allowed me to run point in Richmond for a little bit on that, which was awesome, and yeah. Uh, I'm forever grateful for that. So, yeah, Eric has a special place in our heart, and, uh, and you know, really, we're both really grateful for him. So, man, let's kick it off. It is currently Sunday, November the 4th. We are coming fresh off of Halloween. <laughs> um, so, just as a, a really quick hit, favorite Halloween candy, go. All right, I got to go with the uh, kind of good old trusty uh, Snickers. Oof. Uh, see, if I was doing, see, I'm allergic to peanuts, and uh-huh. so the Snickers wouldn't even make my Mount Rushmore of uh, <laughs> candy. I think it, fair I mean, enough. <laughs> it has to be for me. It has to be. I think it's like I'm gonna do a Mount Rushmore. I'm gonna do like a top four real quick because it's okay, hard. Okay. It's hard to pick one. So. See, that's why when people on social media ask this, they can never get the one answer. It has to be <laughs> top three, four. Yeah. exactly so the best thing that you can get from halloween all right so number one sour patch kids okay 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 you know i'd agree i'm non-chocolate first, side i agree first they're sour then they're sweet you know i like it <laughs> you, you gotta like that you know then i'm gonna go with the classic nerds oh <laughs> Yeah, I like I like I like nerds. There's no like that was you know. Some people take one at a time. You're eating them wrong. You're eating them wrong if you're doing your nerds like that. <laughs> you just gotta take the whole box and just and just dump chug that bad boy. All right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I'm gonna go with uh, for number three Skittles. You can't. You can't. <laughs> no. No. Listen. Listen. Skittles, Skittles has to make the top. They have to make the Mount Rushmore. <laughs> and then finally, number okay, four. Okay, okay. What's number four? A wild card of things that you can get for Halloween. 
nothing's better than a little investment. When someone gives you like 50 cents, they give you some money. <laughs> you can't get better than... <laughs> what? When people just run out of candy. I don't know what you, about your neighborhoods, but when people... I don't know what neighborhood you grew up in. I never got no out, money like, in my they, life on Halloween. Give out a couple quarters. My, my grandma. I was like, yes, this, this hit, hit this house twice. <laughs> I may take off my mask. Else, you know? The the only money I got on Halloween <laughs> were those like fake hundred dollar bills where it shared the gospel on the other side, and you'd you'd be all upset. But man, I appreciate the effort. But come on, I mean, like, man, is this really? That was your lesson in prosperity. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> hey, <laughs> listen, I think man, you're onto something though with your Mount Rushmore. But I'm gonna stick with one. And listen, I'm just an OG guy. I just love Reese cups. I just love them, man. That's my go-to. Like, but I will say, I love me some nerds and Skittles. Those will be like my top three right there. All right. So near and dear to both of your all's hearts, as Eric has already mentioned, the city of Cleveland, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Let's first talk about what has transpired in the last week, Devon. What happened in the last two weeks in Cleveland professional sports that there's no way it's happened? You just fired else. everybody. <laughs> you fired everybody. Just got rid of everybody. So Ty Lue gets fired yep. on Tuesday, right? And then Hugh Jackson gets fired and on the defensive Wednesday, corner. right? Yeah, the and offensive. Yeah, offensive coordinator. coordinator. No, the offensive coordinator. The yeah. defensive yeah. coordinator took the helm. So, I mean, in my lifetime, I don't know that I've ever seen a city with two different professional sports teams fire their coaches in the same week, let alone the same, like, 24-hour time frame. How depressing is that? Well, uh, so we get Ty Lue gets fired. And, uh, I mean, here's my thing with the Cavs. If if you're going to fire a coach six games in, you went through all of off season. Mm-hmm. You went through all of you know the. You went to Vegas with this guy. You went to preseason with this guy, and then you figured out six games in, like, oh, now he can't coach. <laughs> like, you probably <laughs> knew that beforehand. I don't know. It's just ill timed firing for me. Uh. The thing with the with the Cleveland with the with the Browns coach it, that it just bothers me. Uh, I don't know. It's... <laughs> My thing is, and y'all can you know y'all can say what you feel about this. Like, here's the thing: if Hugh makes it after being literally zero and thirty-two, or whatever he was prior to this season. You're not going to give the guy another season after he just won you the first two games in two years? I would have fired him eight months ago if I didn't feel like some type of – like, you know what I'm saying? I just don't get mm-hmm. – like, same thing with Ty Lue. Like, LeBron leaves. You're going to go downhill. You know it. Don't even blame it on the coach because you know it. You could have Phil Jackson and Pat Riley and all the best coaches ever, and that Cleveland Cavaliers team <laughs> is not winning 30 games. <laughs> Hey, they they're predicted uh, well. They were predicted to be seventh and eighth, possibly before uh, foot surgery with uh, Kevin Love. <laughs> uh, that's true. This is true. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I uh, I actually uh, was 
uh, pretty happy about the Hugh Jackson firing. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think I, I, the thing I may have talked to briefly with one of you guys about, I know I've talked to a whole bunch of people, but you just watch Hard Knocks and you see just his incompetence compared to his coordinators. And so uh, was gonna, how, he, how he was going to last. Uh, in that situation, even even winning half the games, I mean, I still didn't think he would, uh, uh, or half the season, I still don't think he was going to last too too long. I just don't think he's a good head coach, and uh, he's he's a he's, yeah. he was a good offensive coordinator. He's just not a good head coach. And you know that's what that's exactly how I feel. I mean, I look at the whole situation like, I mean, the guy went to to Oakland and and was terrible, and you know they hire him in Cleveland. You go zero and sixteen, zero and sixteen. I mean, I like you. I think yeah, I like him too. Guy. I like him as a guy, a good coordinator. I liked when he mm-hmm. was with the Bengals, but I'm the same as you. Like I'm watching Hard Knocks, and I'm like, what is this yep. guy talking about? Like, like, and you know, it's one of those things where, you know, I, I consider myself a leader in my position, like my profession, and like you have to, you do have to have people around you that have different skills than you and are you know, better than you at different things. But at the same time, it's just like you have people, you have two guys mm-hmm. that have coached teams and like, you're not yep. taking any of their advice yep. at all. It's like, they know what, like they yeah. know what they're doing. Yep, like, absolutely. I, I, I thought I was kind of surprised they went into the season with him. And uh, then after watching that, I was like, yeah, he's, he's not going to last. And, and rightfully so. But like you said, I do like him. I like him as an offensive coordinator. I like him as a person. Um, but just, yeah, I was, I was, uh, I was kind of happy about that. I can be honest. In fact, I was kind of upset and wondering how in the world Ty Lue got fired before him. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, we, I was watching Hard Knocks, and you know, you know how they do a really good job of making you like feel for and like these guys and these teams, and like after watching it, I really yeah. wanted them to be better. This is- like, I was coming really, from like, a Bengals fan. I told fan. my wife I was like for the first from a Bengals fan. I was telling my wife like I'm rooting for Man, the Browns right now. Like I want them Man, to Well, win. I appreciate that because I know if Bengals was on hard knocks, I would not feel that same way. <laughs> <laughs> Me either. It's okay. And most you know, most other teams would be the same. Oh man, my Bengals are a different story. That team if they played 16 two-quarter games, we might be the best team in the NFL. But if, because we have to play four quarters, we yep. really fall short. Really, really fall short. Uh, so uh, we've lost Devin for a brief moment. We can talk on another topic right now, and he'll yeah. appreciate this as well. Um, Ohio State, man. What <laughs> is happening with our defense? Oh my yeah. gosh! They, uh, it is. I've I've shared this with a couple fellow Buckeye fans. I think this is the worst defense, definitely the worst secondary and corners uh, that we've had in I'd say over a decade. Yeah, um, I'm easily. I'm, I I can't believe um, I've, I've said this to people, but I've been in Lexington, of course, for the last seven years. Hashtag BBN, and uh, we. We have our, our hardcore <laughs> right. UK Wildcat basketball fans, and it's been actually pretty exciting kind of seeing them get into football over the last several years. And uh, I, I, I actually sure, not just sure. follow, but cheer for them. I, I love their coach, who's actually Youngstown represented as well, the Stoops. 
So, uh, hey. They listen, do, exactly. So, yeah. Youngstown so produces. I'm excited to be able to have a, a team with one of the, their coaches over here. And, again, I, I, that was one of the things that my father-in-law told me I had to uh, do before marrying my, my wife was uh, become uh, at least a Wildcat basketball fan. And as you and I both know with basketball, Ohio State, although they have had several good, good years, um, it's, it's not anything compared to football. So, uh, so anyways, it, it's yeah. crazy. I've been watching, of course, uh, UK football over this past year. I'm actually jealous of their defense in comparison. I, I, I had never thought I'd ever right? kind of feel or say that. Right, exactly. I mean, UK's defense prior to this Georgia game had had one – team score 20 points on them yep and that was texas a&m and i mean that's pretty impressive uh but yeah ohio state it's just Mm -hmm. like mind-boggling because their offense it it's just it's not bad and you know Mm -hmm. i really like Dwayne haskins and we have some solid receivers we have two really good running backs but it is just so disheartening watching us on defense it just makes the game really tough to watch because we have teams that like I mean, are not playing that well. Oh, yeah. That are running yep. up. I mean, Minnesota and then uh, – Nebraska, what, who, yeah. I mean, yesterday. Who didn't even win Nebraska? a game until a few weeks ago for serious? the first time. Came – yeah. Exactly. We, we made this freshman quarterback look yeah. outstanding. And, yeah. I mean, he played really good. But, I mean, our defense did uh, yeah. did no justice. Yeah. And I don't, I really don't even know like how they're, how they're going to fix it. Like I almost have no trust in it because uh, Urban Meyer's a, a great coach, of course. And, uh, and Tiano did he good is, last yeah. year. And, uh, but it's like, they can't, Urban Meyer says every week and he did. That's why like, I wasn't shocked when we got blown out by Purdue because every week, as good as our offense was, especially the first like, you know, five, six games of the season, yeah, I mean, like, oh okay, gosh, we're still yeah. we're just going to score 50, 60 points every single game. So, at least <laughs> – Exactly. We're going to hang it up on every, everybody. Every other team's going to score still 30, 40 points, sadly. But he, he said at exactly, every, almost yeah. every press conference that, you know, that a team's going to expose us. And, you know, like, we – our defense are, is not good. And But they can't fix it. Like, he said it every single week that – in a, a roundabout <laughs> way, I mean, in a blunt way, because it's Urban Meyer, like, our defense sucks. Our secondary is yeah. letting 30-yard uh, plays. We're letting, like, three or four a game, you know, and they can't fix it. And so, like, yeah. it just amazes me. Like, how can you not fix it if you know that? They have the talent, and, and I don't know why it's not produced on a, on a, on a Saturday soon. So, yeah. I mean, me and Devon kind of talked about this on our last episode. I, I Is it Nick Bosa, like, <laughs> Is it the fact that our defensive line isn't yeah. getting enough See, pressure? Yeah. Like, I, I think, think that plays, plays into it, it because but... uh, when you lose the projected number one draft pick, I mean, yeah, I think it definitely plays into it. But I still think without him, that's still one of our greatest strengths. Like, it's, it's our linebackers, I, I in my opinion. Linebackers are average, secondary, which is, again, unheard of because Ohio State's secondary is all over in the NFL. And, uh, yeah, we've been exactly. like defensive back university exactly. for the last several so, years. Uh, so I don't, I don't know what's going on, honestly, because I still think that the, the, uh, all the other guys, the, the defensive line, like they, I think they're pretty good. I think they still are putting the pressure on. Um, but it's just, I think it's our, our linebackers in our, in our secondary. 
yeah, it's it's hard to watch. Um, another thing that is has been a little tough for me is that on a mm-hmm. personal note, I've been struggling to like really, really be hyped for the games. And I guess it's just because like as much as I love Urban and mm-hmm. I love Ohio State, like I really do feel like that punishment for him was mm-hmm. really soft. And so, and that may be another conversation for a whole nother day and whatever it yep. all is of that. But, like, I just felt like, man, like, three games and the three easiest mm-hmm. games of the whole year. And I get it. Like, when you're going to suspend somebody, you suspend them for the first three or four games. It doesn't matter if they're playing, uh, you know, the Patriots or they're playing <laughs> Colgate. Like, like, it's the first three or four games that you mm-hmm. get a suspension. Like, I get it. It was just like I felt like it was really soft, and so part of me is like, "Oh man, okay, well maybe we should, uh, <laughs> maybe maybe you shouldn't." Really yeah. Be coaching right well, it looks like it looks, sure. like he's, he's, <laughs> it looks like he's gonna go to the hospital after every single game, and I know people are commenting about that all over Twitter and and everything else. Uh, just then they say the stress of some of that uh, that unfolded, of course, the summer and and all that took a toll and then he kind of released that that statement talking about uh uh for exactly what he said but something i don't know if you saw that something uh that he's been dealing with it for a while in his brain did you see that okay yeah he he, he released some type of statement and had said that it's something that he's dealt with the last three four years that causes him to get these migraine headaches that he does have a person that's monitoring it and uh and it was just a couple quick sentences uh about it and so uh, so I, I don't want to speak on exactly not what it what it was, but yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah he, for so sure. He gave a reason with that, but yeah, no, I, I definitely hear you. I actually said something similar at the beginning of the season where I wanted to kind of separate some of the actions and everything else that that kind of unfolded with that, just because uh, no matter exactly what you kind of believe or think about it, he did uh, uh, say something completely different at that pre- at that uh, press conference and then reverse it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Big Ten and so, media like, day, whether yeah. or not you, you believe he he uh, did cover up anything, um, he admitted is it going to light on punishments from the past. Um, but uh, whether or not you believe any of those things, uh, like you said, I think it was a light punishment. And I think that, uh, honestly, with the little that we did know for sure, uh, honestly, he deserved a bigger punishment than – Trestle did. <laughs> I mean, for Tattoo Gate. I, that's what I, I, did. So, I agree. So, uh, so <laughs> right? I, I did kind of feel the same yeah, way. Yeah. I was like, well, I got to separate a little bit of this team and these players from kind of his actions right there because, yeah, I feel, I feel guilty. Oh, for sure. <laughs> <Sharing> for <laughs> for sure. I, I have been hearing it maybe, and it's, it's probably just pure speculation, but from the last couple of weeks, I've heard a lot of people be like, well, I don't yeah. know that Urban's going to be back next year, all this stuff. And, and I think – and I, although I didn't see the article mm-hmm. now that you say that, um, I have heard a couple of people say it has to do with his health, which yep. is like a similar reason why yes, he left Florida. Yep, that's I'm exactly not mistaken, right. Yep. Okay, that's what I mm-hmm. thought. I was just confirming. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's 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 tough to be an Ohio sports fan, man. I mean, unless you feel like <laughs> Mountain Union, because uh, Cincinnati mm-hmm. sports are terrible. Oh my man, the Bengals, like I said. They will look great for two quarters. It could be the first two mm. or the last two. However, it puts us in such a bad spot that it's been just really, really 
tough. And the Reds, I mean, good I was just going to say, I was just going to say, if there's one kind of, at least for me as a Cleveland fan, one kind of saving grace and uh, hope that we have. Uh, the motto for Cleveland sports is waiting for next year and every single year. But with Cleveland, man, they, <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, with the Indians, uh, it's been fun. It's been real fun. And their Twitter, if you follow their Twitter, it's yeah, one of the best uh, kind of pro sport Twitter uh, accounts out there, too. They're hilarious. Oh man! Shout out Absolutely. to the Indians Twitter. Yeah, we need to yeah. I, it was, the the day that uh, or no. the day that uh, uh, who was it that uh, not Ty Lu, but right after when Hugh was fired, they instantly came out with some tweets just talking about uh, Tito needs to go hide and not answer his phone for a few days and and everything else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just to be on the safe side. That's awesome. And uh, Tito, yes, I'm sorry, Tito. Yeah, I'm talking, about, that right? talking about Red Sox, but yeah, yeah. Gotcha. He's a he's an yeah, excellent. Yeah, I don't think they're going to be letting him go. I think he, his job's safe still. Uh, for sure, for sure. Well, um, just to kind of hone in on um, the rest of the year, 2018 going into 2019, we got you know college football playoffs coming up. Got the uh, got the NFL playoffs quickly approaching as well. I mean, we're over halfway through this or right at halfway through the season. Um, baseball just finished up, so yeah, whatever. Uh, what is your predictions for the college football championship? And uh, the NFL championship? Uh, college football and NFL predictions. Um, for college football, I think. Uh, I mean, I think Bama has to be in it. Uh, there. Oh my I, gosh! As much as they look I unreal, cannot stand them. Uh, they they look like Preach. even compared to the last two years, the which again well, last year they won, of course, again. But uh, uh, they, <laughs> this looks like one of the best Bama teams that that I've seen. And they, they have do. a quarterback. I like what them too. Heck? I feel guilty. <laughs> I do too. I I hate it. It's like, why do I root for this guy? I cannot stand the, yep. the uh, roll tide, yeah. man. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So I I think Bama is going to take the whole thing, of course, be in the championship. And I I I just don't want to say Clemson. I think they have the easiest road to it. And so I think, I you're think right. they're definitely yeah. going to be in the in the playoffs. Um, I think they can easily lose to one of the uh, three, four teams. Uh, but I think so too. I, I still think that it's either going to be them or I mean I think they're all other. They're all the same. Bama's just going to kill anybody. So it'd be yeah. Clemson. It could be Oklahoma if they win Big Twelve. It could even be the Buckeyes. That's actually my prediction. Yeah. Is somehow, some way, as bad as Buckeyes look, they'll still make it because one, it's Michigan. <laughs> we own we, the exactly. whole state of Michigan. Exactly. So we may trip up against Michigan State still, and that wouldn't be surprising. But uh, if if it comes down to it and it goes to Michigan and then the uh, Big Ten, which I think we'll win, I think we could sneak in and we're just going to get crushed by Bama. So I think we can. <laughs> oh, if it's it will a be. one-four matchup yep. with us and Bama, we will We just need to bring Cardell. We need to bring Cardell back. To- <laughs> yes, 12-gauge. Bring him back. That is what I'm talking about right there. Let's bring 12-gauge yep. back and run the show. I think, I mean, I, watching the little bit of that Bama mm-hmm. LSU game last night, I really thought Yes, I thought they were going to really lose, did. but I thought they were going to compete. 
I thought they were going to compete, and they in the first quarter they did. They came out and they competed, and then it just got real yep. ugly real quick. And and Bama has five running backs, three or yeah. four of which would start on probably every team in the entire country, and they just rotate yep. them in and out. You're like, oh, you know what, Damian Harris, you're tired, you're a potential first-round pick. Cool, we'll bring in another potential first-round pick. Oh, and guess what? We have another first- or second-round pick after you. Like, I, it's just like, stop bringing I'll tell you what, the Benny Snell definitely made me feel better about Damian Harris going to Alabama. That was uh, when he had to pick between Ohio State, Kentucky, and Bama. And I honestly thought that uh, – uh, Bama was the least of the three. And so, of course, I would have been happy for Ohio State. Really want him to go to UK because want them to get better players. And then when he picked Bama, man, that, that made me mad. So I'm got, glad uh, UK got a good running back in place of him. Oh, for sure. I agree. I mean, and Benny's like, I think he's just been such a great addition to the program. And I honestly, I feel really bad for him because I feel he has gotten shafted with play calling. Oh, my yep. gosh. If I was him, I'd be like, if y'all don't give me the rock again, I'm going to lose it. Yeah. Like, y'all not give it to the yeah, next see, guy. I understand definitely what you mean with that. But every team, I feel like, was preparing for UK knowing they're going to run. I mean, like, as good as he is. That's true. No matter what, he's going to get a couple yards after that first tackle. But, like, all you got to do is prepare yeah, for that. So, true. they have to throw it once in a while because, again, that's all they're preparing for. Yeah. Yeah, you you make a good point there too. And I mean, if I'm another team, I'm making Terry yeah. throw. Yeah, exactly. Because he's the type of guy. He's either. I mean, it's either gonna be beautiful or it's gonna be really bad. And it seems more often than not, it's really yep. bad. Like he he makes some uh, tough decisions to say the least. That's yep. for sure. I. Uh, but yeah, I think I think Bama wins it. I think you're right, Bama Clemson. I'd say the fourth team in is either going to be Oklahoma or Notre Dame. Um, that's going to yeah. be tough. But, yeah. I d- d- but Oklahoma's offense yeah. is a score. Yeah. Yeah, I like Good watching night. their quarterback play. Who does Notre, does Notre Dame play against anybody else, like, real, real good? I know they, they probably do because they're not exactly in a, you know, in a conference. And so they always got some pretty tough opponents. But do you know they play against anybody else? They okay. do. I'm pulling up their schedule right now because, to my knowledge, their schedule looked really great to close out the season, and all mm-hmm. their teams have fallen off. So their final three games are Florida State, then Syracuse, which is actually the highest ranked uh, that they have that they've played in weeks. But I think yeah, they're going to beat them. And then their final game is South Cal- is a I'm sorry USC, so Southern Cal. Um, I think that they went out, so that put, that that makes them undefeated, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yep. and they're saying, of course, with Notre Dame, like eventually they're going to have to join a conference because it will hurt them. It will hurt them to not have that conference championship. But honestly, if if, if that's who all, all they play, and let's say uh, Ohio State's one of the last teams that still has only one loss, and their one loss was <laughs> was that blowout and how they've been playing, you easily put Notre Dame over Ohio State in there. Yeah. I, and I so why would they join agree. a conference if, me... like, that happens? Exactly, and it's like their schedule is just so crazy at that, that level. And it, it blows my mind that they've actually maintained independence this mm-hmm. whole time. Like, I'm surprised that it didn't happen. Well, yeah, sooner. up until this year, honestly, I thought that, that they would have tried to. But now I think it might work out for them. 
Shoot, yeah, you make a really good point. So, what about the NFL? What are your yeah. thoughts on, uh, like, closing out the season? Well, well first off, I didn't get to watch the game, but I saw the highlights and the score. But did you see the, the Saints and the uh, Rams game? Oh, yes. I, the, I watched the fourth yeah. quarter. That was amazing. So, if you would have asked me this, like, yesterday, I probably would have said Rams. But, man, the Saints with our Buckeyes on there, the New Orleans Buckeyes – over there exactly michael yeah. thomas is a star. yeah they got and they got a, all our secondaries too they do they yeah. do yeah so uh i actually think the saints and this isn't me just going with my being the homer and going with uh my my buckeyes in the nfl but i think the saints can make it i think they uh i think they win the N- nfc again you would ask me yesterday i probably would have said the rams but after today i lean toward there and man afc It'll probably be the Patriots, but just because I hate them and I, I refuse to let that be uh, on record. Right, exactly. I'm hoping for Kansas City. I think they can beat them. It's just that Bill Belichick witchery. And so, uh, yes, he's a, <laughs> he's a he's wizard. A wizard. Yeah, that's, that's he's a exactly wizard. what he is. So, but, yeah, so uh, I, I hope uh, and I'm going to say Kansas City. Uh, I love watching them. They're a fun team. But uh, – Oh, man, their offense is – it reminds me of, like, I remember uh, probably six, seven years ago, right at the height of that, like, Oregon offense that just – I mean, their games were so mm-hmm. fun to watch there for a little bit when they, you know, they were just running and gunning and five, 600 yards a game, touchdown after touchdown, Chip Kelly, you know, killing it out there. But, like, that, they're like the pro version of that, and it is yep. beautiful. And they smacked the fire out of my Bengals. And I'm really not mad about it because I expected it. I was only disappointed because we didn't do anything against their defense. I mean, the Browns. I was just going to say, the Browns didn't look bad. It was like halfway through the third quarter and they were only down a touchdown. I I was really like pulling for them again. Like, come on, go Browns. Like, let's do this. Like, let's go. But uh, I'm gonna agree with you. I, I'm I'm pulling for a Saints Chiefs yeah. final. That's what my heart wants. My head says Rams mm-hmm. Patriots, and I hate that. Mm-hmm. I don't want that. But I hope if it does happen, that Tiger yeah. runs for like 500 yards and five touchdowns. I mean, I want to be the greatest Super Bowl game ever of all time. Is what yeah. I'm hoping. I for. like the Rams. They're a fun team to watch as well. They are. Their coach is super yeah. intelligent too. I watch this thing where they were like, hey, what happened in this game in 2013, four minutes left to go, and he pulled out the exact play, exactly what happened. He knew the play call. It was mind-boggling. I was like, how do you remember this? Like, you've coached 150 games. Like, how do you remember this? He's got that LeBron James mind right there. (laughs) LeBron knows it, too. It blew my mind when I saw that interview last year. Oh, I love it. uh, He pulled out, like, he had like 13 assists, and he remembered the exact play on yep. each one of them, or something like that. It was like what? Yep. That photographic memory for sure. It's it's an insane thing, man. Um, but yeah, I, that's kind of my prediction right there. Well, Eric, we are just gonna hop right into this, and uh, and and hopefully Devin can join us back here. But uh, so last thing that we were gonna talk about, you know, we always kind of hit on a little bit more. Um, heavy or deep or thoughtful um, thing to discuss. And, and this is something that, you know, I'm grateful as somebody that um, really looks up to you and, and you've mentored me in, in, a, in a point in my life and uh, 
just the way that you stand in this space and it just is really encouraging. And you, you know, there, I'm sure you saw, but there was an article that just came out. I think it was today or yesterday, just talking about like how we as Christians, like have an obligation to be like nonpartisan. And uh, so it's a space that I feel like we have to sit in because we can't be of this world and the Mm -hmm. parties pull us that way. Um, You know, whether you register one way or the other, it doesn't matter. I don't mean that, but I'm just talking about, Hey, if I believe this about the Bible, like I can't be on this side of this and I can't be on this side of this. I have to sit in the middle. I have to be in this, um, you know, not even necessarily like in a libertarian mm-hmm. space. I don't mean that. Um, I, I mean, in the middle of the muck and the mire of this of this world, we have to be yeah. biblical. And uh, so that's something I always really value about what you do. But anyway, you know, um, you, you grew up mm-hmm. in Youngstown. And if I'm not mistaken, Youngstown, it, it's like a, a it's fairly near Pennsylvania. Yeah, it's actually right? real close to Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. So you probably have like a lot of like uh, Steelers fans, a lot of like Pittsburgh influence. There, yeah, well, with, with Youngstown, it is directly in between Cleveland and Pittsburgh, right in between those cities. The the running joke. Well, I don't know how much of a joke because it was probably more true than a joke. <laughs> but uh, the running joke around there was that Youngstown provided all of the drugs to Cleveland and Pittsburgh, being right in the middle of it. Uh-huh. So yeah, yeah, for sure. So. Um, when I heard about this uh, this shooting in Pittsburgh, um, I, I immediately thought of um, the people I knew from Pittsburgh um, and just kind of what that embodies, you know, because you have a bunch of like hardworking, like lower to middle class families. Um, and then you also have, you know, the opposite. You have a lot of just poor, low income a lot of uh, um, people that just never have gotten out, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I don't necessarily mean specifically in Pittsburgh. I just kind of mean in that whole area right there, um, kind of that like Cleveland to Youngstown to Pittsburgh yeah. kind of area, you know, and that's something that you've talked about with me before is like some of the, you know, people that you grew up around and things like that. But um, I, I just was so devastated uh, by this and especially because it was in a, a Jewish mm-hmm. church and, uh, a place that, you know, although we, you know, we don't practice that uh, religion, it was very, it was so close mm-hmm. to home. And uh, so it, if you could maybe just articulate um, how you reacted to it or what your first thoughts were, I'd just be curious yeah. to hear that. And, um, yeah, I'd, I'd say, uh, well, first off, just it was a, uh, uh, a rough week period when it comes to uh, those shootings. I think any time when that, that hits the news, I am not surprised and always heartbroken um, because of what not only, of course, the loss of life, but the hatred, of course, that is involved with many of those. And, um, and uh, just as you mentioned with the, with, with the Pittsburgh, um, I mean, uh, you see and you read the articles and uh, whenever anything like that happens, of course, uh, everybody uh, checks their background and Twitter accounts and everything else. And so you see a, a guy who absolutely despised and hated Jews, uh, so an anti-Semite, who, of course, just walked into a place where people were um, a church with worship and uh, uh, just massacring uh, those people. And so uh, 
of course, uh, just a few days later, I think maybe it was just a few days, I know within the week, uh, just where, where you live, there was a racially motivated shooting at a Kroger. We're actually one of that's right. Yep. It was about 10 minutes. Okay. Yeah. Actually, I found out a little bit later that one of my former uh, students, when I used to go to church and serve in student ministry was working at that Kroger that day. Um, Oh my gosh. So close to home, man. I mean, literally and physically, like figuratively it just was. Yep. And so you hear anything one where any type of shooting, you know, um, uh, I grew up around it witnessed drive-by shootings myself have had a gun pulled out on me uh, a couple times growing up and so uh, anytime uh, with violence hatred anything like that it, it again heartbreaking because it's the opposite of the heart of god um uh, but uh when you when you see these that are especially um uh, race based uh it, it, even more uh uh does it just stir me up um, and you want justice because uh, a couple of reasons, of course, God is a just God. Um, and so whether it is uh, grace and through the gospel where people um, so pay for those sins and repentance, but then also being uh, redeemed and reconciled to that God to change those ways and show that uh, grace is uh, open, available for everyone and anyone. And that justice is paid in the cross by Jesus Christ. Um but mm-hmm. on the other side of that coin, you, you also, and we are called as Christians to call for justice as well on this earth um, for such actions and things. And so you ask kind of what my initial response is when those type of things happen, but especially race-based shootings. It is a call for Christians to, again, call for justice and in such situations, speak out um, and speak against uh, what Russell Moore, the head of VRLC, calls uh, the Antichrist, the spirit of the Antichrist, which is, uh, again, course, racism yeah. and hatred to that level where you are going to take lives out of that with no regret. For sure. I, you know, to me, uh, as soon as I saw the news and and like you said, I, I don't remember which came first, Louisville, Louisville did. Pittsburgh. I, I, Louisville yeah. did come first. OK, Um watching that and just being like, Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm literally working 10 minutes away from this Kroger. Right. And um, I wasn't so concerned for myself or anything mm-hmm. like that, but I saw to my wife, like every Sunday she goes to the grocery store by herself mm-hmm. and like, you know, what if that would have been in her time frame? You know what I'm saying? Like, and obviously I know that it, she, they weren't targeting, clearly they weren't targeting white people because of what he's, what they said. Yeah. He said. <laughs> However, like that's just a traumatic Absolutely. experience. First of all. So I thought of me, I thought immediately about my wife and then I thought my second thought was, was, Oh my gosh, like what if this is, you know, what if it would have been somebody that was targeting um, Latinos? Mm -hmm. So like my family is Puerto Rican and a lot of my family is really dark and, uh, and you can tell that they're Puerto Rican. You can't tell I'm Puerto Rican. I'm white. (laughs) Um, unless it's unless it's like summertime and I get a little tan, but like, man, what if that's my dad? Like, what if that's my brother, um, or my cousin? You know, and so you just like immediately, I'm like, oh my gosh, it just makes me angry, yeah. right? Um, and like you said, justice. It's like, where? What are we gonna do now? Like, what? How are we gonna hold people accountable? How are we going to, um, first of all, try to try to prevent it? in a way 
by being better people, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, to me, this whole idea of like, and I, I've said this for years, like this whole idea, whether you're, uh, you know, on the blue team or the red team, I, uh, that's not really <laughs> my point here. But like this whole like make America great again thing, like, like we haven't been great mm-hmm. ever, in my yeah. opinion. Um, and I, I'm grateful for this country. Like, I love like the freedoms mm-hmm. we have, but like, like for a certain group of people, for a lot of people, this country has never mm-hmm. been great to them. And so we can't ever get to <laughs> when we go back to where we have been before when we were quote unquote great. Like that makes me fearful for people that have never had yeah, it great. Right? And so I, I think immediately about, you know, my family and friends and um, man, that could have been Devin, yeah. right? He's tall. He's yeah. a huge target. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, shoot. If you know, oh, yeah, well, I'm here to kill all the, you know, African-Americans, well, daggone it, you're going to yeah. see him first. You know, he's 6'8". So I just think about that, and, you know, it just – it broke my heart. It really did. Um, uh, Devon, so, you know, you know about the shootings in uh, Louisville and Pittsburgh. Like, what was your thoughts? Like, what was your reaction? And also, you have a different space, too, because you work in the field of education. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just curious to see, like, you know, from a biblical background, your personal background, because obviously you are, you know, a, a black gentleman in this country right now, and you work in education. So you have like a very like trifold mix of um, things, multifold, really. Um, so I, I'm just curious of what your thoughts were and like what you feel like is the next step. Yeah, the uh, the first thoughts when it comes to some of the shootings, uh with the one that happened in Louisville, um, I think seeing that it was racially charged, it wasn't surprising in a sense, which is, is sad to say. Um, I had a student one time tell me that being black in America means that you could die any day. Mm. And like even... Like, yeah, that's true for anybody, but I kind of got what that student meant by saying that. Um, Saying that, like, your body's just targeted for anybody any kind of day. And even the phrase, whites don't shoot whites, was yelled out at the time. And that, that, like, even that, those kind of statements right there, I mean, it's, it's like a sense of like tribalism amongst people mm-hmm. when yeah. in a in a world that kind of shouts diversity. Yeah. Um, and then the 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 one that happened in Pittsburgh, which is kind of also near and dear because I played AAU basketball. My team was from Pittsburgh. Um, and seeing that someone, it was just anti-Semitic attack. That's what, that's what it was. Yep. That 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 person, that one of the the people that died in those in that attack survived one of the worst periods of time in mm. world history in the Holocaust, but senseless violence like this mm-hmm. uh, killed her. Yeah, and, and uh, I mean, always the response from my non-believing friends is that we need more laws, and then you know. 
but your laws can't really change your morality and and how people and how people feel about some of those things and that's that's kind of the sad part it's like i guess as an, as an educator to me it's kind of how do you how do you change how do you change the minds of of people who have these things it's almost like engraved in their hearts and the only answer as a believer, so as an educator, that's the question. As a believer, it's the gospel. Yep. But it's just, it's just really, it's, it gets difficult at times because I just kind of think back and forth, like what, what we can do. I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Other than it, you know, I always say just, you know, it's just saying preach the gospel is just not enough. Yeah. So how can I do this practically? Yeah. Now, Dev, I think actually what you had said right there is exactly what I was thinking, because the answer is ultimately the gospel, because it's the gospel that sure. changes hearts from that type of sin uh, to see who we are uh, in God's not only image, uh, but then part of his family and change our desires toward loving others, neighbors. And then, of course, how he created us and what it's going to look like in the new heavens and earth as we are all one. Um, speaking in the different languages and worshiping that one true God. But as, as that is the ultimate and best, biggest answer, uh, there is still work to be done, uh, practical work, as you had mentioned, here on this earth. And so while preaching, sharing the gospel, that is, again, going to be one of the only things to change one's heart in those views and ultimately in those actions, uh, but at the same time, um, we also need to, and that's why I've mentioned the, the justice part uh, with you, Dave, like especially as Christians um, speak out against such things, uh, stand up uh, for justice in, in those things. And uh, what I believe with that, especially as a Christian, and if I may be just completely blunt and honest, uh, specifically as a white Christian, um, we would need to speak out against those things because – uh, if we are honest, just like uh, maybe you were mentioning about uh, America, um, the, throughout uh, American history, uh, the majority of it, white Christians have been on the Christians have been on the wrong side of history in that. And so, as we talk about being practical, um, we got to make sure <laughs> that people do know where we stand because it matters to God. God's people should be at the forefront of, like you said biblical justice issues. And so I'm going to make sure my kids won't hear me justifying or excusing uh, uh, any type of racism, because I think that's, that's the start. You share, preach the gospel because that's what changes hearts, but also we stand up. Uh, um, so uh, I do personally feel like, you know, I need to make up for it, seeing continued consequences of it still today. Uh, and structural racism and privilege. And so I do believe that's biblical. Uh, I want to act out in repentance uh, for kind of history's past sins. And uh, Nehemiah even said that before building the wall. Um, so yeah. that doesn't mean it won't turn into sin or an idol as, as well. Uh, but I think that it is important that Christians speak out again and in sharing the gospel, make sure we define it as, as sin uh, and don't justify or excuse anything uh, of it. And it's it's just it's it's really hard because you you know, it's I mean it's encouraging to hear you talk about those things, Eric. Mm-hmm. But it's really it's really difficult, like, as a black Christian. A lot of the 
people are here who speak out against racism and bigotry, especially as of the last four years, three or four years or so, have been black people. So it's encouraging to see somebody else talk about these things because, you know, when someone like me talks about it, it's just, I'm just complaining, you know? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I'm just making excuses. And I've, I've had, I mean, just to speak bluntly on the pod, I've had Christian friends, black Christian friends, who look at Revelation 21 4, it says, He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. And look at that, and they can't even, like, and. I've had, on the other side, I've had other black Christians say to me that they would rather not have children because they know how sinful this world is. They would rather not bring someone in because they know how because they know how the world's going to treat them. Mm-hmm. It's just I've heard that before yeah, too, Deborah. Yeah. That's, that's I've heard that as a father of four kids, where people have said, "Why would you have more?" And I, type of world like like this yeah it's just like heartbreaking like to hear to hear those type of things like why would i bring a kid into to this when i know at any time like i mean look at the last 10 years in our country we've had someone get shot for wearing a hoodie at nighttime someone get shot for a traffic stop you know someone got shot at a grocery store you know just like in church services, all these different things. And it's like, where is it where you can be, you know, wh- where, where is it that you can be free? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, those are, those are just, so when I see some of those things, it's heartbreaking. And it just, it does get discouraging sometimes. You just, I don't know. I kind of give it like, uh, when I see those things in the news, I, I kind of just think about, just giving it to, to God because there's nothing that I can do. And I, I, I feel like when I preach the gospel, there's just, there's people who say, well, there's just this old religion. And then you try to live it out and you're too conservative, you know? Mm-hmm. Or if you speak out against these things to your Christian friends, you may be too liberal. You're liberal. So, yeah, it's, exactly. so it's, where, where is it where I can be free? For sure. I, you know, as we talk and as I sit and think about it, like Eric brought this up earlier, talking about his kids and just like, you know, he won't his kids won't see him condoning something that breaks God's heart or something of that nature. Like that's sinful uh, against the justice of God. And uh, I think that as a as a father myself, you know, my, my kids are a lot younger than Eric's, but that's one of the things that I feel like I can put into action and I can make a difference. Uh, the other thing, and again, you know, I hate to keep like, <laughs> like feeling like I'm just using Eric as an example, but the other thing that he does that I see and um, I want to model is just a way in which he interacts with other people and has these conversations and says, here's what I believe and and brings this these facts and brings this uh biblical view and um sources and different things like that to the table and says here's what i have here's my information here's how i feel i'm gonna lay it all out there for you and you may disagree 
but you're going to see from my point of view at least this moment, and we can continue to disagree to agree to disagree, and I'm not going to hate you for it. I'm not going to persecute you for it, but I'm also going to stand up for what I believe in. Yeah, and I think if we, if I have learned anything from um, Eric, it's that, and I've seen it amongst my my friends and peers and mentors that they are willing to stand up for what they believe in, at the cost that hey, they may not like me, they may disagree with me, but like finding those spaces. And reaching out to people. And if you've listened to any of the podcasts in the past that we've done, you've heard us discuss this over and over again because it's so true. We have to sit in spaces with people that don't look like us, that don't agree with us, that don't sound like us, and have these conversations and be able to say, look, I love you. Let me tell you how I feel. Let me tell you what I think. Let me tell you what I've learned. And they may be different, but we have to enter into these conversations in that manner. Mm -hmm. And we have to be able to do that gracefully um, and graciously and love other people so much that we're willing to give them what we believe, just like we do with the gospel. Mm -hmm. When, like, we talk to people about the gospel and how the Lord's, like, changed our lives and changed our hearts, like, we do it in a way that's that is understanding that they may reject it. Right. Yeah. Like they may do that. So obviously, you know, one step below those like gospel conversations is having those hard, honest conversations about these things that they most likely will reject, especially immediately. If they don't agree with us, they're probably going to shut down right away, but we have to enter into these spaces and, and one thing I love about the way, and, and I specifically am talking about, you know, Facebook and, and it's hard to, it's funny that we now use this as an example <laughs> because this is just the day and age in which we live. But like one thing that I notice is that when Eric is having these conversations with people, it's the same people over and over again. And I just like one respect that because it's like these people know that they can come enter into this conversation and it be okay, right? So to me, that's clearly a softening, mm-hmm. right? Because if Eric said something and they felt some type of way about it, what's probably their first response? They're going to block you or something, right? Or they're just going to everything you post, just diss, right? And they might do that still. Yeah. But they get into these conversations with you, and that to me means something. That yeah. means that they're, they're beginning to soften towards something at least just even hearing it out. And I would give and a so, huge kudos to you, Eric, because I see that a lot too. Just uh, you, I, you always yes. have conversations with people. I mean, and even when people try to talk reckless on there, you, you even come at it with It's a, always civil discourse, exactly. man. And I, I just value that. And, man, there are times where you'll post stuff, and I won't respond. I won't do anything, but I'll just read how you react and, and interact. And um, it just, to me, I see that as such a shining example of how we need to operate in these spaces, especially around issues that we feel so passionately about, mm-hmm. you know, abortion and racism and uh, slavery, you know, uh, in, in foreign countries and whatever else it might be. When we feel passionate about something, we need to talk about it because here's my beef is that there are people that are so passionate about their sports teams 
And we all love sports, mm-hmm. right? But they're so passionate about their sports teams. That's all they talk about, and they love it so much. If they had a passion like that for something that was that was terrible, like um, human trafficking, God, how many less issues will we have, right? If people were just, just as passionate about trafficking or racism or whatever else as they are about their favorite sports mm-hmm. team, right? So I, kudos to you, and that's my, like, continued call to action and – like, I just appreciate that we have, a, like, mutual agreements upon that there. Yeah. Yeah, well, I appreciate kind of the, the props with it. Um, I think that is, uh, one, the, the role of, I say shepherd, not because as a pastor, but if you want to, if you want to create or change the, the culture um, and that and just even in the conversation, like you did a great job communicating. Um, you have to, you have to <laughs> treat it like that. You have to stick with your convictions with, uh, again, biblical truth and worldview. Uh, but uh, in this day and age, and it is especially displayed social media and Facebook, it is just people screaming at each other. And um, when people uh, try so hard to just prove the other wrong, it, it doesn't go anywhere. And that doesn't mean that you, again, let go of convictions, but just and what is being said. But I will say this. Um, I, uh, I, uh, I think the, the more important and more valuable and the culture changing conversations is going to be um, outside of social media. Uh, and even with, with what with what you guys even see and what you had mentioned and said, because. You know, oh, even I, I, I guarantee uh, uh, on the uh, even maybe last couple of things that maybe you guys even are thinking of and, and mentioning. I had several text encouraging text message conversations. I actually mess, mess, uh, mentioned it in the pulpit this morning uh, that just had somebody that texted me and had shared. Uh, I'm very encouraged and thankful that you kind of shared some of those things. But then they said, you know, I've been studying just racism in America and specifically even within Christians for the last two years. And they said, and I feel like after two years of studying this, it has really changed my, not only view, but again, words and actions and, and just even a little bit when it comes to some things and, and, and politics and what they have always thought and believed. And then they just mentioned, even said that, like, I feel like after two years of studying this, I still don't know anything. What do I know in comparison to people who've experienced this for generations upon generations? And yeah. so like, and, and what it was yeah, kind of yeah. for me, like one encouraging because what I preached on this morning was God's omniscience, which is God is all knowing that he is knows beyond what we can know. And even people that have faced that, that we can go to that God. Um, and trust again, because he's just and at the same time uh, loving and sovereign and in control that we can go to that God in the midst of that. But again, the the conversations, whether it's with people that you may disagree with, the one on one, the text, the going out to lunches to talk about such things, um, that's that's where that changes. That's where. No, I completely agree with that. I yeah. think, you know, for me, I, I just, 
like I said, I see that just because, mm-hmm. like, that's how I interact with you now because, like, I'm not in Lexington anymore in that area. Um, but, yeah, I 100% agree. And, you know, some of the things that mm-hmm. have altered my complete thought process have been conversations with Devon at my house on my couch that, like, things that, like, I never knew. And I feel like I've always been one to be really understanding and really um, aware. But, yeah. like, just having those conversations and being like, dang, dude, I never thought about it like that. Like that has like, it's not only changed my opinion and changed my thought process. It's been life giving changes. You know what I'm saying? Like, and to me, that's where the, the real change comes into play. Like that's where we have to step into those gaps and those spaces and say, look, like, let's talk about this. Like, let's hash this out. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. we may end up at the, the same uh, spot, the, but at least we'll cool give it a shot. The, uh, the church that I go to now is Main Street Baptist Church in downtown Lexington. Mm-hmm. And it's been there since, uh, it's been there for 156 years now, and uh, some of the some of the people there, there's been members, people have been members of that church for 70 so odd years. So they've seen everything, like in our history books that I read about, they hmm. were they were living there, hmm. and uh, it's it's kind of interesting to see how they perceive some of the things that are going on. And uh, there's this, I, I got a chance to work in the the kids ministry at one point. And one of the older ladies there, they, she told me, things are bad, but they're not as bad as they used to be, and God is sovereign. Hmm. And so it's like, you know, in, in the midst of all this, I, you know, I think social media makes me mm-hmm. think of yeah. how crazy, I think my world is spiraling out of control sometimes. And then I just, I, I think about some of the older saints at our church, and I just, I'm like, wow, okay. Like, that puts things in perspective for me. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely... Definitely agree. For sure. And I think for me too, man, like as you say that, I think about like the perseverance and persistence of people. And like that is a purely sanctifi- sanctifying characteristic. For sharing that too, man. Man, great conversation. I don't know no, I'm if good. you guys have anything else you but uh On behalf of Dave and Dev, I just want to say thank you so much to Eric for joining us on this podcast. We had some technical difficulties at the end, but we made it through. Again, appreciate everybody for listening, and we can't wait to keep bringing you more content. Thanks. Peace.